Welcome back to Reality Asserts Itself. I'm Paul Jay. We're continuing our discussion with Ambassador Joe Wilson. So explain to me, if you can, the mindset of military planners behind a $765 billion budget, as I mentioned in an earlier segment, the Secretary of Defense justifies it, that it's all about China. You hear language from Pence and, and other generals talking about when we fight the next war and the whole strategy now, if you read the justification of the uh, military budget, it's all about big wars against big powers. This isn't about asymmetrical warfare because you can't spend six, $765 billion to go fight Al-Qaeda. You can't build, I think they're planning a dozen Ford-class aircraft carriers at $14 billion apiece. You don't need that to go fight some local fight somewhere. Are they seriously thinking they're going to have a fight with China? Um, if, you, if you build the military and you buy all the toys, you're going to want to use them. And that ends up being the problem, that we've got all this and you can use it or lose it. And if you don't use them, um, you don't get to replace them. And if you don't get to replace them, you don't get to spend any more money. Um, no, it is, um, if, if I were President of the United States, the first thing I would do is I would fire every four-star general in the military. Um, and I would bring in guys like, uh, like uh, Doug, Doug McGregor, who is, um, who is a military guy who's been highly critical of the military, to help me think through how we right-size what our military presence should be. And at a minimum, um, we should build it down by about at least 50%. We're way overbuilt. I mean, we, let's not forget, we really only have one foreign border. And, and, uh, and Donald Trump is building a a wall along that border at $1.7 billion per mile. But we, we, we're blessed with geography. We've got two oceans between us and our nearest enemies. We need, what we need to do is spend more on diplomacy and a lot less on strutting around with our, with our military medals and our hats and our, and our oversized egos. There's a kind of unholy alliance, if you will, between the neocons mm -hmm. and some of the hawks, in the, both in the Democratic and Republican Party. I don't think the Republicans have an exclusive on that. No, they certainly don't. And even a section of evangelical and religious uh, movements that are active in the military, at, at even up to some of the highest leadership levels, mm -hmm. some of whom are apocalyptic in their view. Mm -hmm. So the kind of neocons and military-industrial complex people love almost war, but you have people on the evangelical side that, if you believe in the apocalypse, might not mind <laughs> that it ends up in a nuclear yeah, war. Yeah, they take this crap seriously, totally. No, for the neocons and, and the uh, military-industrial complex, it's, a, uh, it's an alliance of convenience. For the evangelicals, um, uh, not only is it, is it a way for them to get back to the plains of Armageddon for the last great battle of the apocalypse, but they've managed to use this as a way to infiltrate the, 
highest ranks of the military and to try and convert the military from an organization that defends the national security of the Constitution or the, of the country consistent with the Constitution. And they've tried to turn this into a military force fighting for their vision of Jesus Christ. Um, and I, um, and they, have, they have penetrated the chaplaincy corps in ways that are absolutely disgusting, uh, where the chaplains um, used to, their responsibility was always to minister to the needs of the soldiers and their families in times of, of need, either in the hospital grieving or whatever, not to impose their, their uh, view of what the right religion should be. And now these guys are, are um, all they do is not minister, they proselytize. So if you're a, a young kid um, at the Air Force Academy, where Trump gave, I guess, his, uh, his graduate address. Bless especially our keynote speaker and the president of these are United States, President Donald Trump. Um, you're a 20-year-old kid and you're in the chain of command and somebody above you is a member of an organization, Ambassadors for Christ or something like that. And they tell you, come to our Bible study group on Friday. Um, you can't say no. And it is, it's a workplace violation, but it is also a violation of the fundamental separation of church and state. And it is a perversion of, of what the military's mission is, which is to defend the national security of the country and not to take Jesus Christ around the world. Their, what is their version of Jesus Christ? Because my reading of Jesus Christ is not very compatible with any military. They haven't read the good parts of the Sermon on the Mount. That's not, it's, it's really basically kill everybody who doesn't believe in your view of what... Uh, it's the Al-Qaeda view of Islam. Well, it is, of course it is. And it's highly patriarchal. It's very, very anti-feminist. It's very... Um, it's, it's sort of Old Testament biblical without, without any, uh, any real sense of, uh, of the peace and love that, of course, was a bit the beginning of the, Christian, of the Christian movement. It's Constantine's sword. It's basically Christianity from the time Constantine took the religion and militarized it. Took it from a, from a, you know, a peaceful a bunch of guys running around the Middle East spreading peace and love and turn it into a, a sword, basically, a military thing. Religious and military power are coming together. It's a warning, and I hear it getting louder. I once interviewed a Canadian general, Louis McKenzie, in a very frank moment said to me, uh, we need soldiers who don't know history, who aren't very well educated, and who will go kill and die somewhere whenever we tell them to. Yeah. Uh, this is part of that? Um, well, I think, uh, I, I wouldn't put it quite the way General McKenzie put it, but I think they're, they're um, as, as I used to say about, uh, about some of the soldiers, uh, we hire them because they're, they're willing to butt their heads against brick walls until the brick, brick walls fall. But at the end of the day, they, uh, we have an obligation to, to those we put in uniform and ask to do that duty. And one of the obligations is to, is to be there for them for their spiritual needs. 
and not to try and change their religious beliefs or try or to change their patriotism from country to you know some version of uh, of Jesus Christ. And how successful? Was, as a Jewish friend of mine once pointed out to me, you know, it's amazing. We had this smart young Jewish rabbi, and now he's the Messiah for all the Christians. <laughs> well, it's also ironic. So much of this is support for the right wing of Israel, but come the apocalypse, most of the Jews in Israel would end up in hell. Oh yeah, when the bloods, when the when the rivers flow with blood after Armageddon, it's going to be the Jews who haven't converted who are going to be, who are going to be right there. Talk about unholy alliances. <sighs> Uh, the How? best bumper sticker I've ever seen was uh, was one that said, after the rapture, can I have your car? <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was, uh, look busy, Jesus is watching. <laughs> How successful have they been in infiltrating the military? Way too successful. We fight that fight every day. And you're saying at the highest levels. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. We've, we're, we're in the middle of a fight with the Brigadier General now who runs a command. And 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 it's all about uh, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his vision of Jesus. And we're uh, we're I think we're in the middle of a legal fight with them right now. Some sort of fight. Who's we? The Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Um, You're I, on the board. I sit on the board with among others uh, Larry Wilkerson, and uh, it's run by a guy by the name of Mikey Weinstein, who um, who is Jewish, and who has suffered every possible indignity you could imagine from these uh, evangelical nuts, including having dead rabbits thrown onto his property, having swastika signs painted on his wall. Yeah, it's, um, they're nasty. They're a nasty crowd. There's another religious force, uh, not evangelical, but on a similar page, which is the right wing of the Catholic Church, uh, the organization that's best known, Opus Dei. Yep. And they're in right now in a fight to try to bring down Pope Francis. Uh, Steve Bannon is very close to Opus Dei. I don't know if he is Opus Dei, but he certainly works closely with Cardinal Burke and others who are very anti-Francis and are uh, advocating this cathartic war against the East, against Islam, yeah. against China. And I believe that um, we've come horribly off track uh, in the years uh, since the fall of the Soviet Union, and we're starting uh, now in the 21st century, which I believe strongly is a crisis both of our church, a crisis of our faith, a crisis of the West, and a crisis of capitalism. Uh, and uh, we're at the very beginning stages of a very brutal and bloody conflict. And it was Islam and China. It's about the whole of the East yeah. in, the, in defense of Christian values. And they're very present in Washington, and they're very secretive, um, but um, but they're present. They're, they are a force to be reckoned with. And, and, uh, and um, at least the evangelicals are out in the open. Opus Dei is a really closed group. I, can't, I, can't, I wish I could take you into the uh, inner workings, but uh, not even me as an old Washington insider who fought these guys for a decade. I can't penetrate the, the veil. Um, I know it's there. Um, Anytime I see a Catholic being named to the Supreme Court, I sort of scratch my head and wonder. Um, um, but I can't quite get you, I can't get you there. But man, if I was an enterprising reporter, I'd spend a lot of time doing it. Mm -hmm. And the other group in Washington was C Street. 
which was run by a guy, a friend of mine, Doug Coe. And um, they were equally um, intrusive into the secular life of the country. There's another part of this unholy alliance, which is of certain billionaires who use the neocons, who use the evangelicals. Uh, the Koch brothers, obviously, are the best known. Uh, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, is essentially a creation of the Koch brothers. Yeah. Uh, Mike Pence, the Vice President, their person in the Trump administration, I think it's pretty well acknowledged that one of the ways Trump got the Republican Party to support him once he was nominated was taking Pence on, yep. which gave the Koch brothers blessing. Uh, Robert Mercer, mm -hmm. who is another billionaire who owned Breitbart, and mm -hmm. Bannon used to work for him, Kellyanne Conway worked for him, and Bannon not only funds Bolton, but a lot of far-right evangelical organizations. It's all the ingredients of a rising fascism. Yeah, it is. It is, um, it is, um, it's going to get worse here before it gets better. Because we're not yet at the point where we're ready to have a revolution to overthrow the plutocrats and those who are, who now have enormous control over our government. But, but, um, but, you know, I, I, one of the, I always sort of liked the revolutions of 1870, when the Italians rose up against all the landowners and, and they forged their new, uh, the new alliance. And, uh, and, 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 and we're not quite there yet. We're at the point where, where that, that ultra wealthy class that is, uh, that is so destructive for a broader society, they have way too much power, but we're not yet there. We're at the point where we're, gonna, we're ready to take them on as a... And the problem with the timing of all this is climate. The climate crisis, there isn't time to get there. We're, we have such a short window, a matter of uh, last sort of apocalyptic uh, version I heard was uh, from a Harvard emeritus press uh, scientist who says within five years there may be no permanent ice north or south. Yeah. How, how do these guys not face up to such a crisis? How do they and I understand the, a public denial, but privately they must know this is true. My, um, one of my um, dear friends is Jay Inslee, who's now governor of Washington State, who was twice a congressman from two different districts in Washington, and he's now running for president. Our country's next mission must be to rise up to the most urgent challenge of our time, defeating climate change. This crisis isn't just a chart or graph anymore. The impacts are being felt everywhere. I'm Jay Inslee and I'm running for president because I'm the only candidate who will make defeating climate change our nation's number one priority. We can do this. And his whole campaign is based on climate change. And uh, you may never have heard of him because as devoted to climate, to, to fighting the climate change crisis as he is, you just can't get that on the on the agenda. Corporate news is just not interesting. It's just I'm, I keep waiting for the debate to come to him, and it's just not happening. And um, you know, when Al did an inconvenient truth, um, 
as uh, professorial and kind of wordy and, and uh, nerdy as, as, uh, as uh, his presentation was, th there was nobody who was more prescient on climate change in the political position than Al Gore was. And yet, you know, that was 25 years ago, 20 years ago. And it's still, we're still got to, we're still fracking here in New Mexico. We've, we've made the choice we're going to frack for shale oil and it's going to take all the water uh, from the state to do that. And um, I don't know, there, there was a book written when I was, uh, when I was a kid called uh, Small is Beautiful, written by, um, I think, Robert Schumacher. And it was the, it was the days when we, we started... Uh, the first environmental studies program at University of California, Santa Barbara, and we all thought, man, we're going to get there. We're going to we're going to go after the environment, and and um, God, what 50, 60 years later now, and and what we've got 30. I, yeah, I look at my grandkids and wonder wonder if they're going to if they're going to what they're going to see and what they're not going to see of the majesty of the earth that that uh, I grew up uh, in on. Um, yeah, it's a, um, that's not a subject we're going to be able to solve here at this table today. But, um, oh my God, if we don't really address it seriously soon, we're all, uh, we're all screwed. Okay, we're going to continue our discussion with Ambassador Joe Wilson on Reality Asserts Itself.